Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David. Excited to be back with you this week, and I'm really, really excited about this week's topic. Um, It's going to be a little bit in-depth, so I don't know for sure yet if it's going to be a series, but just because of the nature of what we're discussing, it might need to be a series, just because this is very in-depth and complicated, and there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, and I don't know for sure I can do this topic justice in just one episode. So this might be a series, it might not, but um, we'll see. So this week we are talking about working with spirits, um, deities, angels, spirit guides, spirits of the dead, ancestor work, all of that stuff. Um, a lot of common questions I get through this podcast and just and the pagan community in general is usually asking about some form of spirit work. So I think I'm just going to address some of that. Um, let's do it. So let's talk about it. I think the first thing to stress is safety. Um, because when you were inviting a spirit in, it's a little bit more complicated and a little bit more serious than say just working with like the energy of something. Um, energy work, breath work, working with crystals, um, even elements and stuff is a bit on the tamer side, in my opinion, when compared to spirit work. Um, because yes, it's an energy and yes, it obviously is lifelike and powerful. But when you are invoking a, like a spirit um, into your space, that can be a lot more of a serious thing. So I do think safety is important to talk about. Um, and a lot of advice I've seen online that I actually really agree with and stand by 100% is that you should never invite something in that you don't know how to banish. Um, protective magic is really important. Ban- uh, banishing, cleansing, warding, protecting, I feel like you should have a pretty solid handle on protective magic before you're inviting anything into your space. Um, because you don't want to have a negative energy or a malicious spirit in your home that you don't know how to get rid of. So first step when working with anything is be safe, be prepared, have wards up, have protective sigils, do some cleansing, do whatever it is that you do to keep you and your space safe and to keep out the energies and the entities that you do not want to be part of your practice and your situation. Um, I'm not going to really go too deep into protective magic because the previous episode discusses that more in depth. So if you didn't listen to my episode on protective magic, I would encourage you to do so. And let's talk about working with the dead first. Um, Obviously, there's a few different ways to do that. Um, But according to a lot of different schools of thought, particularly in various forms of Western esotericism, is that a witch's power comes from four main sources. One, just being yourself, like your own personal power and your energies that you have as a spirit being. Another one is spirits of the land, like nature spirits. So if that's the elements, perhaps the fae, spirits of place, any of that kind of stuff, that would all fall in the nature spirit category. Another category would be the gods, um, which is whatever deities that you choose to work with, if you choose to work with deities. And then the last category is the dead. Um, The spirits of the dead are a major source of power, according to some ways of thinking. And I think more than any other type of spirit, working with and communicating with the dead kind of brings up a lot of hesitation and fear, especially maybe those of us that were raised um, 
in Christianity or perhaps even Islam or Judaism, there's kind of this fear and hesitation about working with the dead. Um, but working with the dead is actually a really grounded practice. And it's based on really a beautiful understanding that the end of life does not mean the end of a person. Um, so it's kind of a means of restoring continuity and finding healing for ourselves, for our families and for our loved ones that they don't have to just stop existing. Um, working with the dead will definitely stretch your abilities as a witch, but it's also very rewarding. Um, just the interactions that you have, as well as the knowledge and the experience you can build on is really beautiful. Um, you know, as, as witches, we're told a lot that we work in liminal spaces, the in-between spaces. And I think sometimes that's seen very metaphorically, like perhaps we're on the fringes of society, um, you know, we're not within mainstream religion a lot of the times, things like that. And that's totally valid. But I think working with the dead puts you very literally in between spaces. You're in, you have one foot in the realm of the living and one foot in the realm of the dead. And I think that that's intimidating to some. And I understand that. Like it's, it can be intimidating. But working with the dead will place your feet firmly within the in between spaces. And you, as a witch, will bridge the worlds of the living and the dead. Um, not even just the dead, but the spirit world. And that would include not just the dead, but the gods and the fae and the elements and all, all of that. Um, so the work that we can do from this space is really powerful because it can influence humanity as well as spirits, as well as the dead, the living, all of that. So if you would stand as a mediator between the worlds, you can really develop a practical practice with skills and techniques to really help you handle a lot of different situations that might come up when you work with the dead and you can kind of distinguish between various categories of spirits is this an animal spirit is this the spirit of a human person who has passed away is this a deity is this an elemental energy is this um a spirit of place all of that stuff you learning how to distinguish between those things is important because just because you bust out the tarot cards or a pendulum you have to be able to tell intuitively and energetically what type of spirit you're actually working with. And that's important. So when you're working with the dead, I think before you take that big step into like either speaking with the dead or mediumship or whatever it is that you're trying to do, a really important thing before that is to develop a personal relationship with your own spirit guides because they are going to be really helpful in communicating with you about acting as an intermediary between you and other spirits about determining whether or not a spirit is safe to work with at all. So find your spirit guides. That's what I would encourage you to do. Um, a good way to do that is just to ask, just cleanse your space set your intention, really focus and just say, I am asking that the spirit guides assigned to me to make themselves known with clarity. Just say something kind of like that. You can say it out loud if you want, you can say it just internally to yourself, just whatever you're comfortable with and look for signs. Um, are they going to show up obviously and just like appear in your room? Maybe, but not always. Um, I do think that this is a skill anyone can develop like I'm not special or better or more talented or a better witch than anybody else just because I work with spirits. 
because this is something that anybody can be taught. Anybody can learn how to do this. Anybody can develop a sensitivity to spirits. Um, with that being said, I do think it comes easier to some than others, like with anything, just like any non-magical skill as well. There are some people that are amazing musicians, and it's like, can anybody learn how to be a musician? Sure, but there are some people that are just going to have a natural talent that's there. Um, I think that applies to this as well. There's a friend of mine that is just talented beyond comprehension with their sensitivity to the spirit world and communicating with spirits. It comes much more naturally to them than it does to me. Um, so ask for your spirit guides to make themselves known and they may show up literally. They may just appear in your room. You might see them visually. Maybe you'll hear them. Maybe it'll just be like an internal feeling like and knowing that just resonates in your spirit and you'll just kind of know something. Um, there might be little subtle signs. So just pay attention for those things. It's kind of hard for someone else to interpret a sign for you because it's significant to you personally. Um, but just be on the lookout for those things. And over time, the more you notice and the more you pay attention, the easier it will be to be in communication with your spirit guides. So a spirit guide might be a lot of things. Um, it might be a power animal. It might be um, perhaps a loved one that you knew when they were living and now their soul has returned to you as a spirit guide. Um, maybe it's not a direct relative for you as far as like your hereditary family, but maybe it's um, the spirit of another witch who has passed on. Or maybe um, I've heard lots of stories where witches who happen to be gay men have found their spirit guides are also gay men. Um, to kind of fill a, a parental almost kind of role. Maybe their parents don't feel for them, things like that. So just, it could be an angel. It could be a lot of things. So be able to look out for that. Gradually build up that relationship with your spirit guides because they're going to be an integral part of your work with spirits in general, but especially if you're trying to work with the dead. Um. So a big role that your spirit, guide, uh, your spirit guides will have in this process is determining if a spirit is safe. Um, so for example, in my personal practice, if I'm going to do like a, a reading for someone to either like address something that a spirit wants to share with them or to put them in touch with their guides, anything like that, the first thing I will do is I will cleanse my space, I will put up boards, I'll do whatever sort of protective magic that I'm going to do. And when that's done, I will sit down to do my reading and I will ask my guides first, like, is the spirit that wants to speak here safe to, for me to speak with? And I found that more often than not, they say yes. And I kind of think that's just a testament to the importance of protective magic is because those negative malevolent energies can't enter. Um, but there have been times in the past where they have. <laughs> so this isn't me just saying this just for no reason. Like I've, I've experienced what it's like when there's a negative spirit around and it's not pleasant. I don't want that for any of you. Um, because there have been times I've asked my guides, like, hey, is this spirit good? And they're like, no. And then crazy stuff starts happening. So check with your guides that it's safe. Um, and if they say yes, I think it is really important to ask that spirit how they would prefer to communicate. Because like, if you have a Ouija board or a pendulum or whatever, they may not want to speak to you that way. So I think an important thing to do is asking the spirit is like, hey, is the spirit present here comfortable with communicating using a pendulum, using a Ouija board, using tarot or whatever you want to do? Um, 
I know there are some people that are more kind of on the path of mediumship that they can kind of just intuitively sense what a spirit is trying to say. I don't think everyone has that gift, especially not early on. So you might need to use a tool like a pendulum or some sort of other divination method, if that's runes or tarot, oracle cards, you know, any of that. Um, but it's not unheard of for people to kind of just intuitively sense and just know what a spirit is saying. Um, so ask the spirit how they would like to communicate with you. Once that is established, um, so let's just say for the sake of this example that the spirit said, yes, I will communicate with you with um, you know, the pendulum. So you're using a pendulum. Before you use your pendulum, also, you want to make sure that that's cleansed as well. So not only are you cleansing your space, you're going to be cleansing the tools that you're working with. So cleanse your deck of cards, cleanse your um, whatever you're going to be using. If you're using, you know, anything, any type of deck, any type of pendulum, pendulum board, Ouija board, whatever you're going to use, cleanse it. Cleanse your space, cleanse your tools. And if the spirit's like, okay, yeah, cool, we're going to do this. You're going to say, all right, we're going to speak with the pendulum. Um I think for the sake of being cautious, you're still going to double check their answers with your guides. So if you say, for, um, hey, spirit, are you comfortable sharing your name with me? And then they say, yes, I'm still going to ask my guides like, hey, my guides is a spirit lying. And I'm going to do that to just double check and verify everything that they're telling me, because even if a spirit is in your space, and it's safe to be there, and you've determined with your intuition and with your guides that it's safe and it has good intentions, that doesn't mean they're being honest with you either. Um, because spirits have their own personalities, their own will, their own agenda. So just because they've agreed to talk to you does not mean that they are going to be honest necessarily um, about everything that they ask. So that discernment is easy. Not easy. Excuse me, that discernment is important, and it will become more easy over time as you develop that relationship with your spirit guides as you develop your practice with the spirits and with the dead, that intuition will grow and you'll get better at discerning um, what's being said and feeling the energy of something. Is this safe? Is this true? Is this good? Blah, 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 all that stuff. So we've talked about the dead a little bit specifically. Um, let's talk about some things they might want. What are some things that spirits might ask for? They might want you to put them in communication with someone. Like maybe they are a loved one of someone that you know who's passed away and they have some type of message they want to be delivered to their relative or their friend or their whoever. Um, I've had a spirit come to me one time who was the deceased grandmother of one of my very good friends. Um, and they wanted to, without saying too much, they basically wanted to just affirm to my friend that they were on the right path. They were making good choices. They were proud of them. They wanted to acknowledge that they had made it through a difficult time that they were going to be okay. Um, so maybe something like that. Maybe, um, maybe the spirit used to live in the house that you're in and maybe they're going to tell you something about the house. Maybe um, I've had situations where a spirit has helped me find objects I've lost um, in the house and they, they knew where it was because it was their house first and they were going to, help me find something. So see what they want. Um, and then that'll be a good way for you to have benefit. And also you're helping them as well, because it, it isn't just about manipulating a spirit to do things that you want it to do. You're 
it should be a mutual consensual relationship between the two of you. Okay, so that's all I'm really going to say on the spirits of the dead for now. Let's talk about um, other kinds of spirits. Let's talk about angels and demons. Um, and a little disclaimer before I deep dive into this, I know that there are many, many, many different ways that people conceptualize angels and demons. So just know that everything I'm going to say here, um, and really just everything I say on this podcast in general, this is my opinion only. These are my thoughts. These are my points of view. I'm not trying to speak in blanket statements. I'm not trying to speak on behalf of any individual or tradition or group. Um, so just know that. And if you think of things in a different way, or if you've been taught something a different way, that's totally fine. Um, so angels and demons. I am of the belief personally that this concept we have of angels being good and demons being evil, I don't believe that. Um, that is a very Judeo-Christian concept that I don't personally subscribe to. And if you do, that's fine. If you believe that demons are evil and you don't want to work with them, that's totally okay. You don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable doing. You don't have to work with spirits at all if you don't want to. Um, but I personally believe in more of a pantheistic, shamanistic kind of worldview. So I believe that there are three worlds. The middle world, which is basically where we are right now. Um, the upper world which um, is not really heaven in the Christian context, but it's just a higher realm. So some deities are there. Some spirits that have moved on from this place might be there. Um, elemental spirits might be there. Angels might be there, etc. And the underworld is not hell, but it is um, a place of the dead. Um, not a place of punishment, not an evil place, not a place of torment, because again, cause it's not hell. I really want to stress that, but it is just a different place of existence. So the distinction to me is that angels come from the upper world, demons come from the underworld. does not mean that they're good or that they're evil, because you can also have angels with bad intentions and demons with good intentions, because again, spirits have their own will and their own agendas, and that doesn't matter doesn't have anything to do with where they come from. Um, you're going to judge them the same way you would judge a person. You're going to judge them by their choices, by the way they treat people, by their character. Not, oh, you're an angel, so you're good. You're a demon because you're bad. Because, no. Um, that's a false equivalency, in my opinion. Um, you could have good angels, and you could have bad demons, but that doesn't mean that they're all like that. Um, or that even most of them are. I think for the most part, and again, this is just my personal thought, that for the most part, spirits either are indifferent towards humans, they just don't care, they're not going to interact with you at all because they just have other things they're doing, I don't really care much about humans or human issues. So I think more often than not, if a spirit is going to interact with you at all, they probably do have good intentions, but they don't always. So that's why it's important to check. Um... With that being said, I do not personally like to work with angels um, because I have found in my experience that angels are a little bit too straightforward. <laughs> um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. They um, do not tend in my experience, to have a whole lot of empathy. 
towards human issues. And again, that's not saying they're evil. That's just saying they're not human and they never were human. So they don't really have that relatability to you the way that um, the spirit of a deceased person might or that an animal might or even um, like a nature spirit or things like that. Because even though they're not human either, they exist in a similar way to us in the sense that we're in this middle world. Angels don't. <laughs> so I don't think it's that they have bad intentions necessarily. I think it's more so that they don't have the empathy with how we experience life. And because of that, um, their influence and their energy can sometimes be destructive because they're going to take the path of least resistance. So let's say, for example, you invoke some angels to because you want money. You're doing an abundant spell to, track to attract uh, financial prosperity to you, and you've invoked angels to help you do this. And you let's just say, for example, you wanted $10,000, and that's what you're trying to manifest. Angel is going to take the path of least resistance. So it's not going to be, oh, I'm going to help you invest or get a better job, or you're going to win some type of contest, lottery, whatever. They're going to take the quickest, easiest, most straightforward way to get you that money. So don't be surprised if, boom, a relative dies, you get an inheritance. Boom, you're in a car wreck and you get an insurance check from your car because it's destroyed. Boom, you're fired and you have a severance check from your job. That's $10,000. So it's like you got it. You got the thing you want and you got the $10,000. But at what cost? Because they're doing it like an algorithm. They're not thinking, oh, this horrible stuff's going to happen along the way. They're just thinking... You got what you asked for. Two plus two equals four. Like, it's just very black and white getting from point A to point B. I'm not saying that every angel is like that. I'm not saying that every person's experience who has worked with angels is like that. But I'm saying that is what I have noticed personally. And that's what I've heard from other people as well. Um, So I do work with angels, but I only, only, only ever work with angels for protective magic, for cleansing, for warding, for protecting me and my loved ones, um, because it's a relatively low risk situation. And that's literally the only thing that I do with them. And another thing that's important, not only with angels, but with any type of spirit you want to work with is boundaries. You can have boundaries. You can and should have boundaries with spirits the same way you do with people. Um, so the angels I work with, they know, because this is the agreement I have with them, they know that they are not to do anything in my life other than help protect me. So I give them offerings and I give them gratitude and thankfulness for that. And they help protect me and my loved ones. And they know that that's all that we do. That's our arrangement. I'm not saying that that's how it has to be for everyone, but that is what I choose to do. Demons, um, I have noticed, are a little more empathetic. I don't really know for sure why they seem to be. I think my theory, my personal guess, is that because they are often in the realm of the dead, they often accompany ghosts and things like that, I think they can empathize because they have interacted a lot with people who were once living. So then translating that empathy to a living human person probably isn't that much more of a stretch. Um, and I won't say I work with demons often because I don't. But the times that I have, I think there's a little more empathy going on. But again, I would say the same rules apply as with working with any spirit. Check their intentions. Check with your guides to see if they're safe to work with. 
double check the answers they give you and just have appropriate boundaries that you would with anyone. Um, so that's my two cents on angels and demons. Um, and we've already talked about the spirits of the dead as well. So in the last few minutes of this episode, let's talk about um, nature spirits. So this could include spirits of place. Maybe around the area you live, there's like a river or a creek or a forest or a field. Those have their own spirits. Um, there's going to be spirits that live within them as well. Like individual trees have spirits. Flowers have spirits. The animals in there obviously have their own spirits as well. But also that entire place has its own spirit. That's kind of the personification of that place. So like, let's say, for example, there's like a forest like woodish like woods area behind your house yes the individual yes the individual trees have spirits yes the animals have spirits there and whatever else happens to live in there but there will also be a spirit that is that entire woods that entire forest um a trusted friend a while back recommended to me a great way to build up a sensitivity to nature spirits is to start with one tree so pick one tree. Maybe it's in your yard. Maybe it's in a park by your house. Maybe it's, it doesn't really matter where it is, but just pick one specific individual tree and go touch it. Just clear your mind, have an open mind, go touch it, and just notice that that one specific tree has an energy field that is unique to it. How does it feel close up? How does it feel from further away? How does it feel when you're looking at the tree versus when you're touching it? When you're apart from it versus underneath the leaves and the branches. Think about that and notice that. And as you build up that sensitivity, you'll begin to hear it speak. Um, I'm not saying it's going to use human language, but notice how the leaves move. Notice that if you ask questions or say something, the wind blows a certain way or you feel a difference intuitively, energetically. Um, you might understand their speech as human language if you've developed this gift enough and if you are sensitive enough. But don't expect them to just talk to you in sentences right away. If they do, and you're just that sensitive to it naturally, that's freaking cool. That's awesome. But don't be disappointed if it's not like that at first. It might take a really long time um, to build that up. And I would say more often than not, it does take a long time to get to that point. That's how you can do that. You might find that trees want to talk to you. They want to hang out. I, I talk to the tree in my backyard, and she's cool. They might tell you their name if they, you know, trust you enough. They might tell you what you need. Um, I had a <laughs> kind of a funny experience because like, I'm really into coffee. I'm a pretty big coffee connoisseur. And when I started talking to this tree, it asked me for coffee because I was outside drinking some coffee and they were like, hey, can I have some? And I was like, um, yeah, sure. So I, I poured a little coffee, like a little bit on the bark, a little bit down on like kind of the root area at the base of the tree as well. And the tree started growing better and looking healthier and then i found out just from internet research that a lot of trees um need the acidity in their roots and that acidity can be found in coffee so i didn't know that at the time but i googled it later on so that's kind of cool so there might be things like that that you'll discover as you build relationships with these uh, nature spirits um and i would say engaging with other types of nature spirits is i would recommend going about it a similar way you know if it's a pond or a creek or a bush or a flower anything like that you know um i would say probably go about that in a similar way where you get a feel for their energy field and then you kind of just go from there and build up that relationship like you would with anything else um the fae are also kind of 
a form of nature spirit, but I'm not going to talk about them here just because I don't think there's enough time left to address the Fae adequately in this episode. So I perhaps will address that in the future um, with its own episode. But that's all I have for you guys this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I will, of course, leave links to resources in this episode's description. And just a reminder, you can follow me on Instagram at Magic and the Moon Podcast. That's M A G I C K and the Moon Podcast, all one word at Instagram. And you can also email me any thoughts, concerns, questions, or feedback you have as well. That's Magic and the Moon Podcast at gmail.com. But that's all I have for you, and I will see you next time.